Thank you for that. Very, very powerful witness to the gospel message. During the season of Lent, we're thinking together about struggles on the Jesus way. And in just a moment, I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 5 as we explore the struggle of suffering. And we'll be reading Romans 5, 1 through 5 in just a couple of moments. I'd like to lead us in our prayer before I read the scripture, and so I invite you to bow for some meditation and silence to enjoy being in God's presence, and then I'll voice our prayer. We begin our prayer, mighty God, with the acknowledgement that we love you and that we need you, that we look to you, that our souls are hungry and thirsty. We begin with an acknowledgement of our sin and brokenness and our failure. Lord, we sometimes just have to bring to you all the broken pieces of our lives, the suffering, the struggles, uh, the failures, and to simply bring them to you and trust you to make something of them. So bless the pain and and, uh, the heartache, the... uh, difficulties, bless the people who are gathered here today dealing with those kinds of issues. And we pray that you will pour out grace upon each need, the physically ill, the grieving, those struggling with life issues, those struggling with uh, job heartache and economic injustice and, and many other kinds of problems. We pray your spirit might truly work and bless the ministry not only here but all around the world. Bless our military personnel, men and women. Keep them safe out of harm's way and bring an end to wars, we pray. Guide the leaders of nations as they work toward peace, especially in regions of tension in Ukraine and in the Middle East and Afghanistan, Iraq and many other places. Help us, Lord, in our personal spiritual journeys to discover the gifts that you've placed within us. We might use those to serve. Help us to grow more comfortable being who we are in you, in your Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we will claim all that you have for us. Help us, Lord, to have courage, to act obediently, and through the struggles to be able to trust you and keep our eyes on you. We offer you now our prayers and our lives and our full attention, and we pray in the name and the power of Christ. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and I invite you, if you're able to do so, to stand in honor of God's Word as God's Word comes among us as I read it aloud. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, But we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. God's word for us, may he bless it. You may be seated. I decided I wanted to begin uh, this morning's sermon with uh, three questions to frame 
our conversation about suffering. And uh, those of you who are note takers who like to write things down, uh, I prefer that you not write at this time, that you just react and reflect on each question as uh, it's put on the screen. And at the end of the service, uh, I'm going to show you the questions again. You should have time to write if you like to jot the questions down. So I'd like for you to very quietly and very reverently just reflect on each question, sort of frame our conversation about suffering. And here's the first question. When I am suffering, could the energy I spend on bitterness and self-pity be used for better purposes? All right, the next one. Do I see any positive growth emerging from previous trials? In other words, have I grown in Christ as I look back on previous hardships? Okay, and then the third one. How do the suffering of Christ and his ultimate victory impact the way I respond to suffering? Okay, just three questions to sort of frame all that we'll be doing. I'll share with you uh, the difficulties I had in preparing this sermon. Uh, First is the heartbreak that I feel for you as you share with me day in and day out, year in and year out, the struggles on your journey. I, I love you all very much, and it's just very, very hard for me to see you suffer And uh, because I love you and I care about you. The second piece of that is The second part of the difficulty is that I want so desperately to help you, but what I'm trying to avoid this morning in this sermon uh, are simplistic answers. I want desperately to avoid um, oversimplification and being trite and just offering you, you know, two Bible verses and call me in the morning, you know, that kind of response, Uh, to take seriously the ambiguities and the... the, uh, the challenges of suffering, that they don't all have neat little packages. And so that's the difficulty. And so I invite you to pray for me and with me as I preach this message this morning. The uh, author Flannery O'Connor once said that chronic illness is like visiting a foreign country. And I think for our purposes this morning, uh, for our purposes this morning, we could take that Uh, analogy she's making about chronic illness and expand it out to say uh, suffering in general is like visiting a foreign country. She said it's like visiting a foreign country in three ways. First of all, it's not like anything you've ever experienced. Secondly, there is no map to know where you are, where you're going. And third, she says postcards just don't do it justice. That is to say you can report it to other people but they just don't get it until they've lived through it. And I think that's a a, a very fair place to begin this morning. Um, As I have been preparing the sermon series, I've been inviting you on Facebook, other social media, in conversations to share with me struggles on the Jesus way. That's the sermon series for Lant. And there was particular response to this sermon, this topic, on suffering. Uh, Some people shared with me the suffering that they're experiencing because they're going to bed hungry at night. They don't have enough food. Regular attenders in this church don't have food security. Uh, 
Two different instances reported bullying. One by a youth, the bullying at school. One by an adult, bullying in the workplace. Others reported uh, issues with children, small children, grown children, all kinds of struggles there. Reports of physical illness, reports of mental illness, and, and on and on and on the list goes. You know, uh, because you live life, you know the kinds of struggles that we all experience. Somebody has uh, said that there are two stings, two painful bites when we have uh, when we experience suffering. There is the initial event or experience, which is, uh, is, is hard to take, but the second bite, the second sting is the question that almost immediately follows, why did God allow this? You know, if God's all-powerful, why did God let this happen? And if we're not careful, that question hangs around and leads to bitterness or self-pity or a sort of complaining spirit. I mean, we've all been there. I want to confess something to you, something that some of you probably already know because I've been hanging around here a long time. Uh, in my soul, there is a wine cellar. Now, I didn't say a wine cellar, W-I-N-E. Whoa, some of you were like, oh, whoa. In my soul, there's a wine cellar, W-H-I-N-E. That's that dark, dank place that I go to in myself when I want to brood about how seemingly unfair life is sometimes. And that's my wine cellar. Do you have a wine cellar? I think we all have wine cellars. And it might surprise us to know that the Apostle Paul at the end of verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3 of Romans 5 says that we can not only boast about future glory, he says we can also use that same boasting for present suffering. What an unusual statement that the same boasting that we apply to future and to glory is the boasting that we apply to the right now of struggles and tribulation. I mean, it's one thing to whine and complain about your troubles. Maybe it's a step higher to just grit your teeth and stoically bear them silently. But Paul takes it to a new level. He says, no, I'm not talking about whining. I'm not talking about gritting your teeth and then silently enduring, I'm talking about boasting in your struggles. It takes something to get there. And Paul sort of does a loop in this passage of Scripture. He starts with hope and glory, he goes through suffering, and he comes back to hope and glory at the end of this section in verse 5, which we'll see in a moment. But how does he get there? Interesting. He gets there through, through this path. He says, sufferings... Verse 3, sufferings produce endurance. Endurance means patience or perseverance. The New Testament Greek word is literally to stay put under, to stay in place under, to stay put under the suffering. But we don't like to do that, do we? We don't like to stay put under. We like to cut and run because we have an aversion to to pain. We don't like pain. We don't like discomfort. And so we cut and run. Sometimes we cut and run to alcohol or other drugs. Sometimes we cut and run to illicit sexual relationships. Sometimes we cut and run to overspending 
or we go to other, some, some other kind of addictive behavior or, or whatever we run to. Or if we're real spiritual, sometimes we try the spiritual route. Well, I just want to get out from under this suffering and I want to run to Jesus as if, as if Jesus abides in some exotic spiritual place away from real life. We can't imagine Jesus living in this nasty place of suffering that we're in. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminds us that though we want to move out from under the suffering, the word to stay put under means just that, that it's when we are under that suffering that we look and lo and behold, Jesus is right there with us under the suffering. He's suffering with us. He's our partner in struggle. He's not off in some exotic spiritual place. He's with us in the muck and the mire and the nastiness of our pain. That's why I think Hebrews, the second chapter, uh, beginning in about about verse 10, uh, such an important passage of Scripture because it talks about the incarnation, that's the Christmas message, and it talks about the suffering of Jesus, that's the Lenten and Easter message. And I paraphrase some of them from the first uh, part of it. That's why... He had to enter into every... Let's go back to the... Did you miss one? Is there one before that? Yeah. It makes sense that God now completes the work by making the salvation pioneer. That's Jesus. It makes sense that God now completes the work by making the salvation pioneer Jesus perfect or complete through suffering. That's why he had to enter every detail of human life He would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain and all the testing. That's an important chapter in the Bible always, but especially during this season and especially when you think about suffering. Go to Hebrews, the second chapter, start about verse 10, and and see that way that Jesus, who has experienced and entered into every detail of human experience, gets with us under the load to carry the load. He's with us in our suffering. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. I uh, remember years ago hearing about a Boy, Boy Scout obstacle course that had been built in the woods of North Missouri. And the Boy Scout obstacle course was prepared with a lot of attention to detail, and the the people who were explaining it said, it is not designed to be completed. It is not designed for success. It is designed for failure. Because the goal is to help the scouts trust. And the goal is to help the scouts grow in character, and you don't grow in character when everything's easy and when you always win. And so, suffering produces the perseverance to stay put under, which produces character. When you see that word character, think of a, of a, of a, a fire uh, uh, in a large steel factory, and the, the, the the metal being passed through the fire that the fire might purify 
that metal and burn away all the dross and burn away all of the impurities so that that, so that, that metal might be pure and, and strong, refined through the fire. That's what Paul is describing here. Is that your life? The capacity to see strengthening through the fire? Not always easy, is it? I think you're beginning to see that the Scripture doesn't really give us hints about how to get around suffering. Scripture more often talks to us about how to get through it. And one of the ways that we get through it is to understand the spiritual resources that are at, that are, are at our disposal. To, to measure the assets that are available to us. To, to be able to see the spiritual energy that is on deposit for us if we will claim it. You know, Paul started this passage, verses 1 and 2, we're justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access to God. We have an entrance into God's presence. We stand in grace. All of those things are riches at our disposal. Do those things take away our suffering? No. Do those truths make that suffering magically disappear? No. But somehow they give us a perspective on our suffering. Somehow they give us a... a, Energy. They give us an understanding that, that this suffering is not all there is and that that suffering does not define me, that there's more to who I am than what I'm going through right now, that God loves me and God has provided for me and God will never let me go. It, it offers that perspective. Uh, after your very positive response to the sermon I preached in January on suicide, uh, I promised myself that the phrase mental illness would be one that we would use in this place for teaching and preaching and and Bible study and discussion, that mental illness would not be a taboo subject because it's real and we need to address it. Uh, Catherine Green McCrate, who wrote a book on the relationship between mental illness and, and, uh, and spirituality or scripture, has said that for the mentally ill, The objective truths of Scripture are absolutely essential because the mentally ill get so wrapped up in feelings and experiences and the subjectivity of their own emotions that they need the anchor of being consistently grounded in objective truth of who Jesus is, what Jesus is doing for us, the Holy Spirit's abiding presence, God's promises that are real, those things that will not change no matter what else changes in our lives. And we all need that, that soaking in those objective truths of those assets at our disposal in times of suffering, that we're not going through it alone. And, and speaking of assets and not going through suffering alone, the tiny little personal pronoun, we. Paul says in verse 1, we have peace with God. We have obtained access. Verse 2, we stand, we boast in hope. Verse 3, we boast in suffering. The implication is we are participating together in this journey of life that we don't do it alone. You know, one of the frustrations that I experience as a pastor is that when someone's going through a time of suffering, 
instead of drawing closer to the fellowship, sometimes he or she begins to isolate and draw away at the very time when we need each other. The Apostle Paul very intentionally used the word we when he talked about suffering and endurance and character because he knows that we need each other. We need each other always, but we especially need one another in times of suffering. Uh, Support groups, AA, Al-Anon, Bible study groups, prayer partners, accountability groups, gathering together for fellowship. We can't do this business of life alone. It's too painful. It's too scary. We need one another. We don't need to draw apart from one another. We need one another through times of testing more than ever. Have you ever wondered why suffering is such an important topic and such a deeply personal topic? I mean, obviously, for obvious reasons, when you're the one feeling the pain, it's personal and it's existential at that moment for us. But the other reason I want to think about why suffering is so important, why it needs to be talked about, is that in suffering, we define the God that we believe in. In suffering, we define what kind of God we believe in. Suffering will, will work, out that, work out that theology in your brain and in your heart. Is God, in times of suffering we ask, is God cruel and vindictive? Is God absent? No. God loves and God suffers with us. You remember that scripture about Jesus hanging on the cross? He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, when Jesus felt abandonment, at that moment, very possibly, God was doing more for Jesus and for all of us than in all the history of the cosmos combined. At the moment when God seems to be the most absent and the quietest is the moment when God might be working silently in the most powerful ways. And that's why Paul could say in verse 5, character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint Hope does not stand us up. Hope does not embarrass us because God's love has been poured out. God's love floods our hearts through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. God's love, through hope, floods our hearts, gives us a perspective for coping and gives us energy and is with us in the darkest times. So the three framing questions, once again. First question, I'm going to leave it up there and let you just chew on it. When I am suffering, could the energy I spend on bitterness and self-pity be used for better purposes?
Next one. Do I see any positive growth emerging from previous trials? And the third one. How do the suffering of Christ and his ultimate victory impact the way I respond to suffering? Let's bow our heads together.